Well, good morning, friends. It's good to see everyone here this morning. How many of you love this fall-like weather? Yeah, all right. How many of you are like, shut up, give me summer? All right, a couple of you that like that. That's great. Well, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Life, and it's just awesome that you guys are here this morning, and we get to wrap up our or September teaching series called Toxic Church, Religiously Transmitted Diseases. But before we wrap it up, I want to bring attention to this card that may be around you or you sat on or something. And this card says, at the movies. This is our brand new teaching series that we're kicking off next week here at Radiant Life. It will be a a three-weeker. And this is for you to just invite someone. Just invite someone to church. I don't care who it is. Just someone in your life that you just have influence with and you've had conversation and relationship with and just, hey, I just want to invite you. And it's not even about radiant life. It's about Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's what it's about. We just want you to hear about it. So this is a three-week series and it's going to be a fun series. We may or may not have popcorn for you next week. Um... You're just going to have to come back next week and see if I'm lying or not, or telling the truth. But we're going to look at what I believe is how Jesus taught, Jesus taught in parables, which are stories that brought everyone together in something that they understood together. And one of our most modern parables is, of, the, of our time today, are movies and books. It all brings us into a story together that we understand. And so we're going to look at three movies and look at some principles and, and, and biblical characters and stuff that we're just going to bring out of movies. And uh, I just want to give you a little teaser, like, you know, when you go to a movie theater and you watch, like, all those previews beforehand, I want to give you, like, a, just a, cre- a quick, brief preview of the three movies we're going to look at. Number one, we're going to look at Hacksaw Ridge. How many of you have seen Hacksaw Ridge? A couple of you, I'm giving you the previews so you can watch them beforehand. Hacksaw Ridge is a, is a World War II movie. It's actually my absolute favorite World War II movie. Disclaimer, it is rated R because it's a war movie, okay? That's what, I, uh, disclaimer there. Uh, it's my favorite World War II movie because anytime you talk movies or something, you're like, oh, is that pastor? Is he like promoting that thing or not? It just be cautious. It's probably not for little ones. And again, it's just violent. That, I mean, it's, it's a war movie. It's, it's violent. But it's about a Seventh-day Adventist who just lived out their faith. And we're going to get into that next week. It's going to be awesome. And then the following week, we're going to do The Greatest Showman. How many of you have seen The Greatest Showman? Yeah, fantastic. I don't like musical uh, movies, and that was a very musical movie, but I like that one. And I'm not going to release any more information on that. And then we're going to wrap up with the movie I Can Only Imagine. How many of you saw I Can Only Imagine? Many of you did. Here's a disclaimer on that. Um, Please hear my heart on this. I don't like Christian movies. I, I know it sounds horrible. A pastor said that. It's just sometimes they're really cheesy. And you're like, that's why the world makes fun of us right there. You know, it's just not all the cases. But I watched I Can Only Imagine with my family, and I teared up during it. It was moving. It is, besides The Passion, which was a very tear-jerking movie, probably I Can Only Imagine is the other uh, just faith-based film that I love. And we're going to wrap up with that movie and the incredible idea of, I can't tell you, you're going to have to wait for that to come. But hey, each one, reach one. Let me hear these words repeat after me. Each one, reach one. Hey, I don't, I just, just reach one person. 
I had a conversation with a guy that says that he just gathers all of them around him and he brings it into work and just puts it um, in the break room. He doesn't even say anything and he notices they're disappearing and I'm just hoping they're not disappearing in the trash that people are actually taking them home and doing things with them. And he has conversations like, hey, what is all this? And he's like, hey, it's just a new series at my church. Just want to invite you to come here about Jesus. And that's that. So, hey, we can do this together. We're in this together. Remember, God's plan was the church to spread the hope of the world, his message. He chose you, he chose me, he chose this idea, and this is a simple way of just reaching out are these cards right here to say, hey, just you're invited. So one more time, each one, reach one. There you go, thank you, preach it, Frank, I like it. All right, hey, let's, we're gonna wrap up Toxic Church, and we've been on this, this is part four. We've been about three, we've done three of these so far, and we've been hearing a good discussion from a lot of you and how this is just impacting and realizing, you know what, I, I've been some of these stuff and I've had confession time with God and I, I didn't even realize that I, I've been toxic. And a lot of times we can be toxic because we com become complacent in our faith. We just don't activate the faith and we just become, eh, all right? So here's a couple of them. Let's do a quick review of the three weeks and then we'll jump into this week. Is we talked about in week one, spiritual pride. The idea that sometimes that Jesus went after the Pharisees who've always were the religious leaders of his time that puffed himself up or puffed themselves up and thought they were just better than everyone because they were the religious people. And we looked, we taught a lot about the idea of we want to be right more than loving. And Jesus never called us to be right. He called us to go and love people and love the hell out of them and love them to heaven and let them get experience who Jesus is. That's what we're called to do. Go love the hell out of someone. And I mean the fiery pits of hell. Go love that out of them so they can experience who Jesus is. All right? Sound good? Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. All right? Here we go. I'm already preaching. The coat's about ready to come off. All right? Spiritual pride. The other thing with pride is we tend to look on the outside rather than the inside. We'll look exactly on how they look or do anything, and we won't sit there and really say, hey, how's your heart doing? It's one of the ways that I discipline my kids is when I discipline them, I'll sit down with them all the time and I'll go up into their room and as I go in, I have a conversation and I don't say, hey, you made a bad choice and please parents, hear me out on this. Never call your child a bad boy or a bad girl. They are not bad. They are created in the image of God. They just made a bad choice. Man, there's nothing more that gets me fired up when I'm out in the store and you're like, you're such a bad boy. No, he isn't. He just made a bad choice. That child is not bad, and God loves him so much the way you, you mom and dad should love, love that boy. And I always ask my kids the question, how's your heart? Before I get into anything else in their discipline, I ask them, how's their heart doing? Because they're acting out of their heart. Something's going on inside that's not right. That's why they're acting that way. So that's my question, how's their heart? But sometimes we allow pride and arrogance to get in the way, and we don't, we don't really care. We just, we just look at the outside. Now, here's, here's the second. Uh, we talked in week two, hypocrisy. We talked about the idea of um, a hypocrite is a Greek uh, actor during the time of Jesus, and it literally means one who puts on a mask or is a stage player, and how Jesus attacks the religious people over and over, gave them seven woes or seven dams, if you will. That's literally the translation of seven just anger things at them. And six times he calls them, woe to you, hypocrites. Man, you guys do and say one thing, but then you do another. And you're not being me. This is the number one reason why non-believers don't want to step foot in the church today is because they think it's just full of hypocrites. 
They're a bunch of hypocrisy within their faith. And there's nothing more that fires me up that know that we can come in every Sunday morning and worship as a family together. And it's, it's incredible and it's awesome that we get to do this together. And yet we walk out of these doors and for the next six days we're someone else. And then last week, this is reason number two that non-believers don't come to church is they're going to judge me. We, sometimes it's so toxic in our lives and in our faith is we have that judgmental spirit about us. And uh, we, we had fun as staff this week because um, Pastor Brandon brought that message last week and he, he, the idea of we're, we're allowed to judge within, meaning those that are brothers and sisters, we judge them based on their fallenness because we want to restore them back to wholeness with Jesus. And you never put your standards outside, on people outside of the walls of the church. They're not in the family yet. And you never do that. But Pastor Brandon says, well, pray before you judge when you're talking about the insiders. And I'll tell you what, as staff, we had a fun time judging each other this week. But we always said, hey, I prayed for you before I judged you right now, right? That was our out, but it's a good time. But hey, this is, this is number two. This is serious stuff. And I want to wrap up this whole teaching series with why does this even play out in our lives? If we believe the, the greatest message of Jesus Christ, those that profess and follow him and put your faith in him and have been baptized and just growing intimately with him, why do we allow these things to creep into our lives? And if you're not a believer this morning, you're off the hook because this message is for believers. And if you're just still kicking the tires of God, keep kicking. Keep, keep, keep kicking. Because I want to tell you, your heavenly Father is pursuing you with his love. You'll, I, you will keep coming. Your heart's going to change, I promise you. Your heart's going to change. And you're going to experience this Jesus and your world's going to be turned upside down. Keep coming, keep kicking. But why do why? I want to wrap up this entire series with this idea. I think it comes down to spiritual indifference. Or spiritual Meh. Turn to your neighbor and say, meh. Some of you are too good with that meh. You've been doing meh for far too long. See, here's what spiritual indifference is. Hey, you want to come to church today? Meh. You want to read your Bible and engage with your creator, the one who forgives you, the one who sustains you, the one who gives you second and third chances and fourth chances? Do you want to intimately know him every morning? You wake up and you're going to study his word and say, God, speak to me. Do you want to do that every day? Yeah. Outside of that side of the room, amen for you. We got problems over here. <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. I love you. You're all good over here, okay? Do you want to pray and commune with your God and seek him, even, in, even when times are rough, but even when times are good? You want to join a missional community that we've been promoting on stage and social media for the past four, five weeks to say, we're better as we grow larger as a church, we got to grow smaller as well, and we need people, we need safe places to dive into Bible studies, to take off mass, to be prayed for. Do you want to sign up for a missional community? Nah. It's real. It's real. I truly believe the reason why we are and we have spiritual pride and arrogance in our lives that we are hypocrites and we are judgmental because we have spiritual indifference in our lives. 
Can I just say God never called us to be indifferent. He called us to love him intimately and get to know him every single day so the world looks at you and say, you're different than the rest. Why? And you can say, it's because of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about him. But too many of us, man, listen, and hear my heart on this. As, a, as your pastor, please hear my heart. I don't need you to come here every Sunday and just warm a seat. We can get monkeys to come in here and warm seats for us. We need you to be set on fire for Jesus and go be a change maker. That's what God needs you and we need you to do. Amen? Amen. Come on now. I'm preaching and I'm, this jacket's going to come off in another minute. All right? When you know I'm preaching when this thing comes off, okay? Okay. <laughs> oh, tough crowd. Tough crowd this morning. I lost my voice first service. I was getting so preachy. All right? Spiritual indifference. Turn your neighbor one more time and say, meh. Some of you are like, I ain't doing that faster. No way. That's dumb. That may you. All right. Hey, real quick, before we jump in and where we need to get to, I need to ask just a couple questions. And, and I want you to look at this scene. I know, oh, just on the count of three, just say, oh, one, two, three. Oh, I know half of you want to be there right now, right? But hot, just on the beach, a hot day. And just think of something refreshing. What would you want to drink? And I'm guessing it's probably something cold, right? You're sitting there on a hot day, the sun's just pounding on you, and you just, you just want a cold drink. I don't care what it is. Most of us probably, that refreshing water, right, after you are just sweating and working out there, you just want something cold that's refreshing. And God bless my soul, when I went to Africa, I don't like to sweat. Any of you don't like to sweat? Outside of playing a sport, I don't want to sweat. Out, maybe outside of preaching, I, like, I know when I'm preaching when I'm sweating too, all right? When stuff's coming out of my mouth and I'm sweating, I'm preaching, all right? I don't like going outside and walking and just being hot. That's irritating to me. Like, God, please don't make heaven like that. Just let me enjoy it, <laughs> please. But uh, in Africa, you had, when we went, you had to wear pants. We were going to all different villages in Africa, and their, their culture, you respect their culture, is men, you don't wear shorts over there. You just don't. And the only time you ever wear shorts or you see shorts in the villages, and I mean, these are villages, villages, all right, is the young generation, maybe teens and maybe some kids. And every time I'd go to my leader every day and I'm sweating and I, I, all I did was wake up and I'm sweating in Africa. And I come over and I was like, hey, uh, can I wear shorts today? He says, Ryan, have you seen an adult wear shorts yet? No, but I can be a trendsetter in Africa. How awesome would that be? It's like, Ryan, no, you're not wearing shorts. And I was just sweating. And I'll tell you what, water never felt better in Africa. But in those hot places, is we want something cold and refreshing. Now, take a look at this picture. Right? What, what do you want to drink there? Yeah, something probably warm, right? That's soothing to your soul. It's just like the nectar of heaven. You want some coffee right there, baby. Some of you are tea drinkers, and you can do that. But do you just want something that's like, this is chilly. Give me something warm and soothing right now. And, uh, well, get used to it. That's what we're going to look like in three months now, all right? Let's just, uh, hold on, let's just go back. How many of you want to live here? Out of curiosity, I got a good number. How many of you want to live here? How many of you just say, Jesus, take me now, get me out of here, all right? Yeah, this, this is my wife. She would want to be there. This is me. We're just total opposites. Like, put me in a cabin right there, and I'm good. There we go. 
But the big debate has always been when it comes to drinks, think of this, it's, it's hot or cold or hot or iced or what way do you like it? And some of us, we have a preference. We like it one way or the other. You either probably prefer a nice cold drink or you probably prefer a nice hot drink. So let's just take a, a, a quick survey. How many of you prefer a nice cold drink? You just, that's what you, wow, several of you. How many of you prefer like a, the hot drink? Like I just prefer... All right, so about maybe 60 for the iced and cold and 40. How many of you love Coke Zero? All right, yeah, good. Me too. <laughs> Thank you. See the three of you in heaven, all right? <clears throat> dude, first service, I was like, dude, my favorite cold drinks are Coke Zero. I love it. And I said, how many of you like Coke Zero? Nobody. And I was like, yeah, me either. <laughs> We're good, right? I, I just, it just came out. Hey, keep this in mind, the idea of hot and cold. And what you like, as you turn to the last book of the Bible, or the get on your tablet and your phone and go to YouVersion and go under events and find Radiant Life, it's going to take you to the book of Revelation chapter 3. There was purpose to all that, and we'll get there in a minute. Revelation chapter 3, outside of Genesis being the first book of the Bible, this should be the second easiest book to find. Just go to the last page of the Bible, and you're there. And while you turn there or while you find it on your iPhone or your tablet or whatever, um, let, me, let me give us a preference because what Jesus is going to say here is huge. And you've got to understand context. Because remember, these writers are writing 2,000 years ago. And imagine us writing a letter today about the instances of 9-11. For many of us, we remember where we were, what, what we were going on. Imagine writing a letter of those events of 9-11 and 2,000 years into the future, those people are going to read it. You're probably going to have to understand some context because we're going to take some things and take some things for granted that we all remember about 9-11. Well, they're 2,000 years removed and they don't know that. And so here we are that, that we're 2,000 years removed and we got to understand some things and understand why certain things were written. And this is going to make this uh, Revelation chapter 3 just pop for you guys, Okay. So John is the author. He's getting a revelation from God, hence its name. He's about to die. He's on the island of Patmos. Let me hear you say Patmos. He's just on the island. He's ready to die. He's writing his, one of the last letters he's going to write right here. And he's getting this revelation from God. And he's going to write to seven churches to start his letter out. Seven churches and give them warnings. A lot of them receive an encouragement first, like the idea of you lift someone up first and then you break them, break them down, you know, compliment you. You look good today, but we need to have that conversation, right? And then bring them back down. But this particular church that Jesus is going to write his letter to, there's no encouragement. But let's say, let's say, here's a map, Asia Minor, during the time of Jesus, present day Turkey, and on the bottom right hand of the state, that's like northern Israel, and you have this area right here of all those black dots, those are all the cities, many of them who Jesus is writing to in those letters there uh, of those churches. Now what we got to do is I want to zoom in to this area right here because this is the portion of Revelation chapter 3 we're going to look at. And if we zoom in deep enough, we're going to find three different cities right there. And this is the city that he's going to talk about is Laodicea. Let me hear you say Laodicea. We got to know some things about this city because context matters. What's going on in this city at the time of Jesus and after? Here's what we have. Here's a picture of Laodicea today. It was super wealthy, extremely posh. They had everything they ever wanted. They had lavish 
public baths. They had stadiums. They had theaters. They had one of the largest shopping centers during this time. And here's an ancient road, and all the pillars would be to other buildings. And they had this huge Greek god of Apollo that they worshipped there. And there was a little Christian church there as well. But it was the happening city. Here's another picture a little further away of looking at another ruin of Laodicea. And if you go there today in western Turkey, that's what you're going to find. It's just lavish wealth. And you sit there and just compare, well, what city today would Laodicea be like? It would be very... Beverly Hill-ish, just posh, wealthy, they got it all, gated community, that would be Laodicea. But it would also be a mixture of two other cities, Manhattan, because it, Laodicea was the business center and the wealthy business center. I mean, suits and tie business, like higher-ups, you got the corner office and you're making millions and millions. I mean, posh business in Laodicea. But with their money, it's also like Sin City, Las Vegas, where they could do anything they wanted because they had the money. They had wild living. They were one of the most sought-after cities in the ancient world because of their location. And this black line is the ancient road that traveled through. And where did it go right through? Laodicea because everyone wanted to go there because they had the lavish everything you could ever want right there. But there's two other cities by Laodicea. The first is Heropolis. Heropolis is where uh, Superman's from, right? Only the geeky Marvel people laugh at that, right? Here we go. Heropolis. Actually, Heropolis is a really cool city. Um, it was known for its uh, hot springs and its medicinal purposes. It was like the healing center of this time. And I got to show you this picture of Laodicea. And check out that white stuff right there. That's Heropolis. Remember, Heropolis was the hot springs. It's about, uh, you're looking at about maybe five miles north of Laodicea. And look what, if you go to Heropolis today, check this out. This is what you'll experience there. Isn't that awesome? So people, not only when you come into Laodicea, and you're sitting there, and you look up over the hills, and you see that, and you know that is the medicinal healing hot spring center of the ancient world, you're like, yes, please, I'm going to make a trip there. And I love this picture. It's just beautiful at sunset. And you're able to catch that. And you just wanted to go there for healing. And what was cool about Heropolis is, is not only just their hot water that they had and their salt, but they had the world's greatest ophthalmologist there in the ancient world. And he developed an eye solution based off the healing properties of these baths that he was seeing. So you had eye problems in the ancient world. You're making the trip to Heropolis. And you're coming there. But there's one more city. Colossae. Now, Colossae, you and I have the letter that Paul writes to the Christian church there in our Newer Testament called Colossians. But we got to know what is so important about this city in order to understand Laodicea, in order to understand Revelation chapter 3. Are we following? Awesome. Here's Colossae today. There you go. That letter is it. There's nothing there. All right. Besides a sign. But here's what I want you to see. What's in the background? Yeah, mountains. It sits at the base of mountains. And those mountains carry some of the coldest spring water in that area. And that cold spring water run down the mountains right into this city, Colossae. Colossae was known to have the coldest refreshing water in the area. The coldest. 
Now check this map out again. Here's the problem with Laodicea. Major problem, even though they got all the money, they got all the wild living, Laodicea has a water supply issue. They have no hot water, they have no cold water. So with their money, they said, hey, let's be smart. We got money, we're smart, we got everything. Let's create a system where we can pipe hot water to us and pipe cold water to us. So they created these aqueducts that you can go to, I'll see them. You can go to one today and see these running from Heropolis down to Laodicea and Colossae to Laodicea. You see them, and they're like, hey, we got it. And in fact, before this letter's written, 35 years earlier, they hit an earthquake that devastated the entire city, and Rome comes in and says, hey, since we occupy everything, do you want money, and we'll help you rebuild everything. And you know what the Laodiceans say? Now nah, we got it. We got enough money. And they rebuilt themselves because they are so wealthy, and we're like, hey, we'll build these. We'll pipe all this stuff in. But here's an issue. That's five miles, and this picture's slightly off. This is about 10, 11 miles. By the time you start piping hot water from the hot springs of Heropolis in and the cold water from Colossae of 10, 11 miles in, the water's lukewarm. No one likes lukewarm water. We like it hot or we like it cold. And here's what Jesus is saying to this church in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. I know your what, friends? Yeah. Remember who he's writing to? The church, the believers, those who consider themselves followers of Jesus. I know what you do. That you are neither what? Cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Do you see what Jesus now is playing off of? Your water issues. Who's cold? Colossae, that you're trying to pipe water. Who's hot? Heropolis, that you're trying to pop. Guess what? Believers in Laodicea, you're none of them. And here's what he says. So because you are what? You're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And Jesus is writing to those churches saying, you know what? Your spirituality right now, your faith is meh. You're not hot, you're not cold. What you are is exactly what you're complaining about with your own water. You're lukewarm. It's exactly what you are. And you think lukewarm is disgusting in the spiritual realm. I think you're disgusting. And then I love what Eugene Patterson, the message um, paraphrase of this, says this. I know you inside and out and find little to my liking. You're not hot. Or you're not cold, you're not hot. Far better to be either hot or cold or hot. You're what? You're stale and you're what? And you make me want to vomit. Now the English writers did us a favor. That word in Newer Testament um, that I showed in the NIV when it says to spit you out of the mouth, it literally means to vomit or just to hurl. That is the writing that Jesus is doing here, and the paraphrase uses it right, he makes you want to vomit. And here, here, here's what I'm afraid, friends. I'm afraid too many of us today, we're just stale in our faith. We're just, we're just, meh. We're just indifferent for things of Jesus. I, I, I too fear that we're stagnant. We're just not going anywhere. We're just doing this religious, um, religious obligation. I, I, it makes me feel good to come to church. 
That's why I do it. And my fear is that we just get enough of Jesus to make us feel good for the rest of the week. And we're not actually intimately pursuing him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I, I don't, as your pastor, what I don't want Jesus to ever to do is write to the church at Radiant Life in Sturgis and say, you know what, church, you're not hot or cold and I want to spit you out of my mouth. No, I don't want that. I don't want that. I think it absolutely just breaks his heart. So my question is just, how did we get there? How did those people at Laodicea get there? Because they weren't there at first, and then Jesus has to write a last-minute warning letter to them. How did they get there? And I'm going to propose two things. Here's the first, self-sufficiency. That they had it all together. They didn't need God. It's interesting. When do you need God the most? When you're going through chaos in life. And when you need God all the time, but the problem is with life is good, we're not pursuing him as much as when we are when life is going at chaos for us. I think we're too self-sufficient. And look at the rest of the letter in Revelation chapter 3 that Jesus is going to write to this church. Here's what they say. This is what Jesus says about them. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. I got it all. I don't need it. But check this out. <laughs> but you don't realize, you have no idea that you are wretched pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, and naked. I love the words that Jesus is using here because it's exactly the opposite of who they think they are. They think they are so wealthy and they got it all. Then Jesus says, hey, by the way, you're poor. Oh, and who is right by you that you go up and visit five miles north of you when you got eye problems? The greatest ophthalmologist in the ancient world. Yeah, he's there. He's got eye solution. But I want you to know you're blind. And all your wealth, all that stuff that you wear because you got it and you're like Beverly Hills. By the way, you are naked. Here's, here's the issue with self-sufficiency is we may have wealth and things, but we're spiritually bankrupt. And that was the charge to the people at Laodicea. Listen, you have money, I realize it, but you are so far from me. Right now, you know what we have today? We got the latest iPhone, don't we? Or we wish we did. We got the latest, we're good, I got a job, got a, at least a car to get me to point A to point B, and uh, things are going pretty well, and I got Netflix, so in case of storms, I'm good. We got Amazon Prime. I mean, two days, I can get anything shipped to my house, and I, we're just good. I don't need anything. I'm, I'm just good. And the issue is, we've become so self-reliant that in the good times, you know what, God, you're just kind of not there, but things are good. Thank you. But things get bad. Watch me fall to my knees real quick. We've become too self-reliant. Here's the other thing I think is, I think we're just distracted. Man, our world is just busy, is it not? 24-7. You can go to the grocery store whenever you want to, right? You can wake up in the middle of the night and forgot your little toaster strudel and head over to Kroger and get toaster strudel. Right? It's just there. Oh, man, I'm preaching now. This is coming off, all right? Here we go. We're distracted. Look what Jesus says in, in the book of Mark. This is incredible. I love what Jesus says. He's talking to a group of, of believers in Mark chapter 4, verse 19. Look what he says. But the... The worries of this life, you, you ever worry? I, I know I do sometimes. 
You ever just worry? It's the worries of this life. And look at this. It's the deceitfulness of wealth. You think wealth can buy you happiness? No. What wealth will do is deceive you. It'll leave you sometimes spiritually bankrupt in your life. And look, these are my words. These are Jesus' words. Look, and, and the desires for other things. We got a lot of things happening. We have worries. There's wealth of deceitfulness. We desire other things of this world. And look what, how Jesus sends us. He says, they come in, and here's the result of what they do in your life. They choke the word, making it unfruitful. They come in and just say, you know what, I don't need God, or it's choking, I don't have time for him, I've got worries, I've got this wealth thing going on, it's deceiving me, I just desire other things, I don't need God, we are too distracted. And here's what it says, it chokes the word, making it unfruitful, and Jesus says, how will they know that you're my followers? It's by your love, and as you follow me in your life, you're going to bear fruit. You can't bear fruit if you're not in the word of God. You can't bear fruit if you're not intimately pursuing him every single day, not just on Sundays. It's great and it's a blessing to come in here and worship on Sunday. And for me, I get to do it two times. It's awesome. It's incredible to be able, man, church, this is for you, this is for you. Listen, listen. We're, we're, we need to go to three services. We have to. This is too busy. There's too many people in this one room, and the guests, they feel it's overwhelming. We have to go to three services. Hey, that's a good thing. There's got to be a better amen than that, because I took my jacket off and I'm preaching. That's a good thing, amen? amen. Here's the thing. Too many of us are sitting here going, meh. I'll still come to my service. No, we need you. We need you. As a follower of Jesus, he gave you a gift to serve his church, his bride. I need you to use it right now. He needs you and we need you, church. We had 750 people worshiping here. We can do three services. We can barely do two right now because you have no idea what we as staff go through on Saturdays when people are constantly calling in. Hey, I can't, I can't make that shift or whatever. Listen, hear my heart, hear my heart because I got to preach it. This is not this. This is something else. This is pastor talk, okay? So if you don't call them the Radiant Life, just tune this out right now, okay? If you come here, this is your home. You got to listen. You listen, listen, listen. You get that schedule way in advance. Make plans to come to church. You got to make plans. We can't do this without you. Listen, there is something amazing just saying, you know what, I'll rock a baby. I can do that. And you're in the nursery rocking a baby so mom and dad could come in here without distraction and worship God and they may never know God but become saved because you were willing to be in the nursery and rock their child. Or you know what, I can't tell you how many, how many conversations I get. All of a sudden we got greeters outside. Bless God for them to serve in the winter. Can I get an amen on that? Whew, it takes a special person. We'll have more heaters out for you guys that serve outside. I've had more conversation with new guests who come in and says, you know what? That just brightened my day. 
before I even heard the music or the message, I was not feeling good. I was nervous coming down your driveway. But man, someone just with a smile on their face said, hey, welcome. How you doing this morning? Before they stepped foot into this lobby, they were welcomed. And in a moment, they changed their heart so they can come and worship God. We need more of you. We need more. But listen, you have to yada Jesus. What does yada mean? What in the world is he talking now? Yabba dabba do, right? Here we go. Yada is the language that is mean the intimate relationship with Jesus is yada. Every time the word yada is used, is used in the nature of a husband and a spouse getting together. And you know what I mean, yes? Amen. amen. All the men said amen on that one. You know what I mean. That same language of the intimacy of a husband and spouse coming together is the same exact language used when we experience Jesus. You have to get on that level. Because I know this church, indifference doesn't just break Jesus' heart. Indifference makes him want to vomit. And this is probably the harshest statement that Jesus makes to all believers. Your indifference and your spirituality, meh, it sickens me and it turns Jesus' stomach and he wants to just, he wants to vomit you. You know, Jesus also says that on the last day, there's going to be many people on judgment day to say, hey, Lord, Lord, I, I knew you. I prophesied in your name and I knew you. And Jesus is going to look at you and say, I never knew you. You know what that word knew is? Yada. See, you come in here on Sunday and say, oh, praise God, you know, hallelujahs be multiplied. Woohoo! I love that song. Spirit of the living God, oh, yeah, it feels good. good. And then Monday, you're a different person. <laughs> are you guys hearing my heart? More importantly, are you hearing your father's heart? You got to get die. Because here's what I know. Many of us claim to know God but live as though he doesn't exist. That's lukewarm faith right there. You better not have lukewarm faith. You better have, you better be so on fire and growing for Jesus even to the day that you take your last breath and you're buried six feet underground. You got to live as though people, this is God's plan was the church, it was you, it was me. This is his plan to reach the lost world. You're part of it. You're, 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 you're a change maker. That's what you are. And here's also what I know. You can't have Jesus in your life and not change. But I thought when I was 12, I said that prayer, and I've been good. I mean, I've been coming to this church for 40 years. It doesn't matter. Jesus looks at you and says, you make me sick. I would even question in that statement if the church at Laodicea were even believers. Because God's promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And what does he want to do in this instance? See you later. I want to spit you out of my mouth. God will never do that to his children. Some of us think we're saved and we're good. I'm just telling you right now, you cannot be the same and your life cannot be the same. You've got to change Jesus. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians in the Newer Testament, listen, the old is gone, the new is here. It doesn't mean, hey, you still may have struggles, but Jesus is going to clean them up. You've got to fully surrender everything over to him. The problem is we, we, we want change in our lives. We want Jesus enough. Just make me feel better. Just make me feel good. Get me through the week. There we go. And you know what? I, I, but I like this other stuff too. And you can't. So Ryan, what do I do then? 
Because that is me this morning. I just got lukewarm. I'm just, meh. Turn to your neighbor and say, meh. Hey, we're getting less of a meh. That's good. I want the meh out of you. Turn to your neighbor and say, get the meh out of you. Man, is it hot in here? Is it just me? Come on. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. Let your faith be less of a theory and more of a love affair. Well, what in the world does that mean? Seems pretty philosophical. Because it is. For many of us, this is just good. The once a week thing is just good. It's just, this is all we need. You know, it's just a theory in my life. It's just, I, I just need this one hour a, d- a day thing. And yeah, just, okay, maybe sometimes an hour and 10 minutes, but that's good. No, 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 no. You got to make it more of a love affair. You got to fall in love with who Jesus is and be reminded. You know what? Be reminded of who Jesus is. Be reminded of your own sinfulness and the time that you got rescued. Be reminded that Jesus forgives you. He sustains you. He gives you third and fourth and fifth chances. You got to be reminded of his love for you. And we got to get excited when we come into church. We got to get excited. You got to get, I, I love Sundays. Guys, just say, I love Sundays. I can't sleep on Saturday nights because I love Sundays. Not just because I get to be up here, but I get to worship with you guys. I get to get into God's word with you guys. It's awesome. It's amazing when we get to go another level and understand things and see people's faith just radically change. It's awesome. I'm going to tell you, it is better than being at Michigan Stadium. That takes a lot for me to say, okay? It's better than being at Notre Dame Stadium or was that one stadium over there in East Lansing. It's just better than all of it. It's better. It's better to be right here just worshiping and saying, I don't care who my neighbor is. I'm going to experience the love of Jesus today because my week was hellish for me. I felt abandoned, and I just need to come into his presence this morning. Can I get a good amen? Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to someone. Oh. Oh. Hey. um, So my shirt says he must become greater than I. He's got to increase and you've got to decrease. He's got to become greater. He's got to be greater than your marriage. He's got to be greater than your kids and your love for your kids. He's got to be greater than that job that you have. He's got to be greater than that sports team you're on or that classmate you're in love with. He's got to be greater. Because if not, you'll be like those in Laodicea. You know what? You're lukewarm. I just want to spit you out. I just want to spit you out. So here's as I, as I close. My heart and prayer for this whole series as we wrap up Toxic Church is that radiant life in you. Let's go be a place of hope and healing for others. Let's go be a place of hope and healing for others. I love what New Testament scholar Thomas Schreiner says. He says this, the Laodicean Christians Their works are neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. It's often been pointed out that both hot and cold water are good. Cold water is refreshing when you're sweating and unbelievably thirsty, like I am now. Give me Jesus, all right? If you run five miles on a hot day or come in from working in the yard, cold water is a tonic to your system. And in the same way, hot water in tea or coffee or for bathing is soothing and comforting. But lukewarm water is disgusting. It doesn't refresh you. 
nor does it soothe. We need to go be a place of hope and healing for others. You know, oftentimes I, I actually, when I was first introduced to this um, Revelation chapter 3 in the church of Laodicea, I always thought it meant like God just wants us on fire for him. And he just wants you either there or cold, which meant far away. But when you understand context, you understand that God wants us cold because it's refreshing to others. And it's like, you ever played with one of these? (laughs) Oh, I have all weekend, all week. And uh, never looked down the barrel of one. (laughs) But on something hot that's just experiencing just chaos, just hurt life. And if you and I are just that cold refreshing of Jesus to others, man, there's just, and you touch that right now, there's just something so refreshing and cold that can't help but whatever they're going through just be squashed away. So just give me that. Some of us, there's people in our lives that, to be honest, they just need hope. You just got to be that cold, refreshing water to them and just give them a glimpse of hope because right now they are experiencing hell on earth. They're experiencing away from the presence of God in their lives and you just need to go and say, you know what, Let me. I, I, just, I just need to do this right now. I just need to do that on your life because Jesus is so much greater than what you're going through. I just got to give you hope. I gotta give you hope. And Jesus says, hey, I either want you cold, I want you hot. And remember, Heropolis was that place of just the hot springs. It was soothing to them. It was the medicinal center. For some of us, there's people in our lives that we just gotta go bring healing to. You just got to let that spark and just get reignited again and go heal someone. God's got people in your life for a reason. Go give them hope and healing. And friends, kids, we close. Can we, can, we just, uh, can we just make a declaration that we're not going to be a toxic church? We want to be a church for Jesus and his, his kingdom. We want to be a church that gives hope and healing for other people. No more hypocrisy. No more spiritual pride or arrogance. No more judgmental spirit. Let's just go set a revival like this community's never seen. And it starts with you. So go be refreshing. Be cold for people. Go be hot. Go give people healing. Because you are Jesus' plan and purpose for the world. Let me pray for us this morning. Man, Jesus, we just want to take a moment of confession this morning where we've just gotten things wrong in our lives. For honest, we just, sometimes we think we just have it all together. We become so self-sufficient and self-reliant that we just, there are times that we confess that we don't go to you and we just feel like we don't need you. We also have to confess this morning, there's times we just get distracted in this world. We forget you're the sustainer, you're life sustainer, you're the forgiver, you're the healer, you're the comforter. 
I just want to give you that. Just give it all over to you this morning. Would you do a work on our hearts for those of us that are in this room this morning who are just feeling lukewarm and say, you know what, I've been complacent. I just let life suck the intimacy out of me. God, would you just do something in their heart, even in the midst right now? The, the next song we sing, may they just worship you and tell their problems who the real king is, who the real one's on the throne, who has authority to mention one word and the waves must still. Will you remind us, God, how good you are, your love, your peace, your forgiveness. We need reminding. Remind us of your goodness, Father. May we be a place of hope and healing set this world on fire for you and your kingdom. And we pray this in the matchless, incredible name. And everyone together said...